Okay, you lovely, lovely people, welcome back to the Clark and Miller English Podcast. I am Gabriel. Uh, I am the Clark from Clark and Miller. Uh, who are Clark and Miller? If this is your first time, you don't know, so I will tell you very, very quickly. Clark and Miller is an is a website for uh, on for English learners like you, high level English learners um, or intermediate English learners uh, who want to um, sort of have a bit of weird fun with when learning English. We've got a blog with lots of. Uh, weird and interesting and fun uh, blog posts uh, to help you learn English with, and a lot of them feature giraffes. Yes, giraffes. Um, you can also buy um, our book, uh, 102 Little Drawings That Will Help You Remember English Rules Forever. Um, you can also book some English lessons with real English teachers. And, um, you know, you can send us lovely um, messages about how, how, uh, how, how much you like us. Or hate us, depending on whether you like us or hate us. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's Clark and Miller, ClarkandMiller.com, um, and also where you can listen to this podcast. Uh, welcome aboard if this is your first time uh, listening. Welcome for the first time, and if this isn't, also welcome for not the first time. Uh, today, uh, I want to do something. Um, a little different. This is not going to be a typical lesson. I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read about my experience uh, of Cambridge. Uh, you know, the very, very famous city in England uh, that I went to for the first time last year. Um, so, yeah, instead of me telling you about how something works, um, you're going to listen to some very high-level English with lots of advanced idioms, phrases, and words. Um, you can find out what these idioms, phrases, and words mean. Uh, I'm going to publish this podcast with a PDF with all the definitions uh, of the, the phrases and words. Um, but also, I'm going to give you a quiz at the end and see if you can figure out what they all mean. So let's get started. Cambridge, 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 Cambridge. As I mentioned, last year I was in Cambridge, uh, the city famous for its very prestigious university, which has produced some of the world's greatest minds. Stephen Hawking, the famous mathematician and physicist, went to Cambridge. Charles Darwin, um, the evolutionary biologist, the first evolutionary biologist, I guess. Um, also a guy who liked to travel around the world eating all the things that he was discovering. And David Attenborough, the famous natural historian. Um, and what's more, as an academic and a teacher, uh, I've spent a lot of my career looking at books, certificates, posters, websites, stationery and T-shirts, all emblazoned with the University of Cambridge logo. Um, you will recognize it too, probably, if you've spent uh, much time learning English um, formally with course books and so on. Cambridge... Um, publish a lot of English course books. If you Google um, Cambridge University logo, you'll recognize it. So yeah, go ahead, Google it. You'll see it. So I had a strong idea of what Cambridge would be like uh, before I went there, but there were a few things that still surprised me. Um, number one, things that surprised me about Cambridge. Number one, there are bikes everywhere which is a good thing. I love bikes. Uh, the first thing I did when I woke up on my first morning in Cambridge was take a look out of the window. And it struck me immediately. 
bikes. There were bikes everywhere, bikes and bike lanes. The roads were absolutely full of them. In fact, the bikes outnumbered the cars by about four to one. It was fantastic. I love bikes. They're so good. Um, I went out to find some breakfast and uh, I had to walk amongst this cycling frenzy. I mean, I've been to Amsterdam a few times, a city with a well-earned reputation for being quite into their bikes. But there was a big difference here. If you find yourself walking around Amsterdam, you need to be really careful, not because of the pickpockets or mad drunk English guys, although you do need to watch out for them too. Really sorry about those English drunk idiots. Um, There are a lot of them around wherever you go in the world. Just ignore them and remember that most English people are not like them. Um, But yeah, you have to be careful, not because of these guys, but because of the cyclists. Um, They own the city and they make sure you know it. You cross the road and there's a bike coming your way, you will be shouted at. Um, They don't stop for anyone. And if you find yourself in the wrong part of any of the vastly complicated network of pedestrian crossings, pavements, cycle paths and roads, prepare to get shouted at and almost knocked over by someone on a bike. But not in Cambridge. While Amsterdam has a well-earned reputation for green energy and bicycles, England, for better or worse, has a well-earned reputation for excessive politeness. I remember having a chat with a Turkish friend of mine who had lived in the UK. He was telling me that England is the only place where you could be walking in the street without looking where you're going, bump into someone, and they would be the one saying sorry. So if it's common to apologise for someone bumping into you, then it's not really done to shout at someone from a bike, no matter what you're doing. So yeah, bikes everywhere. Things that surprised me about Cambridge number two, everyone is really, really young. I mean, okay, fair enough. I should have expected this one, right? I mean, it's a university town after all. Also, the older I get, the more anyone younger than me looks like a child. People who I think are 12 years old turn out to be in their early 20s, and teenagers, they just look like they should be watching Teletubbies and certainly not capable of doing all the weird and terrifying things that teenagers are capable of doing. Um, But, you know, that still didn't stop me from being completely shocked by how young everyone, almost everyone, was. Uh, Have you ever seen the film Logan's Run? Great film. One of those uh, 1970s dystopian sci-fi flicks. It's set in the future where everyone lives indoors. The whole world basically looks like a shopping mall. And what's more, once you reach the age of 30, you have to die in a bizarre ceremony that involves wearing a cool mask and flying into the air. Except that they don't call it death. In this reality, it's called renewal. And what this means is that everyone in the future, at least according to Logan's run, is under 30 years old. It's seriously weird. Um, go and YouTube it uh, if you dare. It's a, it's a fantastic 70s film. They really don't make films like they did in the 70s. But yeah, Logan's run, everyone's under 30. And that's what Cambridge feels like, minus the weird masks and the flying. Well, not so many weird masks and definitely no flying, not that I saw but really everyone was young. There was a bright side to it, though. Uh, I was called Sir several times. So yeah, that was nice. Things that surprised me about Cambridge. Number three, there are independent shops everywhere. 
I mentioned before uh, in uh, some of my blog posts, especially the ones about um, British English signs, about how institutionalized the UK is and how the high streets are dominated by chain stores and brand names, leaving no space for the little guy. Uh, This is a general trend in the UK, and you'll be lucky to find a high street in the country with at least half of the stores independently owned, except in Cambridge. I was impressed. Some parts of the city seem to consist entirely of independent shops. There was a shopping mall area, but that was nicely tucked away from the picturesque streets of the old town. Uh, I guess it's a strong indicator of how wealthy the city is. Independent shops are usually pushed out by their fierce multinational competitors in other cities. However, if you've got a city full of people with a large disposable income, they're more likely to be happy to splash out on something for a more individual and less sanitized shopping experience. Also, the stuff you find in small shops is always way more interesting than the big chain stores. Things that surprised me about Cambridge number four. The university is the city. Unlike Oxford, the city of Cambridge was built around the university. The uni came first and the city later. Apparently, the idea was to copy the style of the University of Oxford, so a lot of the architecture is actually the same, or, well, similar. It's not the same. Like, it's not the same building in Cambridge that is in Oxford. They don't travel. I mean, that would be really expensive, moving a building from Oxford to Cambridge. Like, and really, really inconvenient. But yeah, similar architecture everywhere. But, you know, like, weird, right? A city that's built around a university. I hadn't seen that before. It basically means that the university is the city. It means everything is there for the students. The shops and restaurants and bars and cafes, all aimed at the students. I saw several posh tailors making custom-made tweed suits at exorbitant prices specifically marketed to students. Well, rich students in particular, obviously. Even the churches, with their questionable punctuation skills, wanted a piece of the action. Um, Yeah, so I saw this uh, sign outside a church saying, Students looking for a vibrant church? Which is fine, that's a slogan. But guess what they did? They did what uh, what we uh, call an apostrophe crime. So students looking for a vibrant church, there sh- should should there or should there not be an apostrophe in students? Is it student apostrophe s or is it students looking for a vibrant church? Well, the answer is uh, there shouldn't be an apostrophe. But uh, this church, the sign outside this church had an apostrophe, which I thought was quite amusing. But yeah, even the churches are targeting towards the students. Things that surprised me about Cambridge number five. Power in the making. Oh, that sounded kind of Games of Thrones vibe, didn't it? I haven't seen Games of Thrones, but I'd imagine they speak power in the making. Maybe, maybe like that. Anyway, number five, power in the making. When I was in Cambridge, I spent some time with an old school friend who's now a lecturer at the university. Uh, I also met one of his protégés, a go-getting, ambitious young woman. Normally, because I'm kind of a smart guy, I know know what you're thinking, but I kind of am. (laughs) 
At least I like to think I am. But yeah, because I'm kind of a smart guy, I feel quite comfortable in intellectual company, talking about, you know, the big subjects and pondering the deeper meaning of things. I enjoy it. It's fun. But then, you know, I, I like talking about bands and, uh, you know, TV and Netflix too. Um, but yeah, with this person, I simply couldn't keep up. She was thinking and talking at about a million miles an hour, covering lots of territory in a small period of time. So I just listened. And I was just sitting there thinking about rabbits and, and coffee. And she was saying stuff like, Ontologically speaking, what you do when you teach in that style is similar to the ancient Mayans and the modern Bauhaus movement approach their work. You see, you see it these days with the fishing industry too. What's your opinion on didacticism? Uh, I, I, I just looked and, and, and had another a sip of beer because all this took place in a pub and just thought more about rabbits. But it wasn't just her. I spent a lot of my time walking around town among the young and intelligent eavesdropping on their conversations. I was struck by how confident and smart everyone was. Everyone seemed so sure of themselves. And what's more, I realised these were some of the world's future leaders. In fact, about 25%, a quarter of Britain's prime ministers, uh, went to Cambridge. I was surprised to discover that more went to Oxford and that Winston Churchill didn't even go to university at all. And who would have thought that? So there you go, my rather random impressions of one of the world's most famous cities. But what about all that new vocabulary? Okay, so I'm going to read you um, all the sort of new advanced um, sort of natural English phrases uh, that uh, I had in that uh, description. And I just want you to think about what they mean. Okay, there are 25 of them. Let's go from one by one. Number one is, it struck me. Number two, bikes outnumbered cars by about four to one. Number three, cycling frenzy. Number four, have a well-earned reputation for something. Number five, vastly complicated. Number six, excessive politeness. Number seven, bump into someone. Number eight, it's not really done. Number nine, dystopian sci-fi flicks. Number 10, bizarre. Number 11, general trend. Number 12, nicely tucked away. Number 13, fierce multinational competitors. Number 14, disposable income. Number 15, splash out on something. Number 16, sanitized shopping experience. 17. Exorbitant prices. 18. Marketed to. 19. A piece of the action. 20. Go-getting. 21. In intellectual company. 22. Keep up. 23. Covering lots of territory. 24. Eavesdropping. And 25. Sure of yourself. Okay, so we've got those 25. I'm going to publish this list and also their definitions um, with this podcast. At, um, the just go to clarkandmiller.com and find the podcast and you'll find the uh, file next to this podcast. Um, but yeah, if you think you know the meaning of any of those 25 words and phrases, or if you, better, if you have guessed the meaning 
from the context from my story about Cambridge, um, send me an email, and um, uh, I can uh, I can read about the uh, most successful answers uh, in the next or a future podcast. So send me an email, Gabriel at ClarkandMiller.com. Yeah, thanks a lot. That was wonderful. Uh, wonderful to have you here. Um, uh, yeah, feel free to listen to this again with the list um, as well, because then you can um, identify the words and phrases in context. Meanwhile, um, don't be afraid to visit ClarkandMiller.com. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, see you, or rather sense you, next time. Okay, goodbye. Thank you.